Good morning and welcome to Houghton Wesleyan Church. Please stand with me for the call to worship, which will be on the screen. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness and come into his presence with singing. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Let us pray. Loving God, open our ears to hear your word and draw us closer to you, that the whole world may be one with you as you are one with us in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. online or on Facebook, and welcome back to all of those who are part of Royal Family Kids Camp this week. We're anxious to hear the report. Before you sit down, take a moment to greet each other, and if you can, move in just a little bit, squish together so that we have enough seats for everybody who's out in the balcony. Thank you.
Good morning. Dan and I had the privilege of serving this past week at Royal Family Kids Camp on the drama team. Along with several others, our specific role was to show campers God's love and the importance of following his plan, or his blueprints, in a series of construction-themed skits. Doug Gardy played the architect, or God, as I'm sure we all understand is most appropriate. I played Jesse, the foreman and the Jesus character. Olivia Tetta and our new friend Greg played the hapless construction workers who had a great deal of difficulty following the plan each day. And Dan, of course, played the devil. This year, we emphasized the idea of following God's perfect plan, as each day, Olivia and Greg were faced with the choice of following the architect's perfect plan in building their house, or being led astray by my, the devil's, various shortcuts and easier alternatives. God's plan, while sometimes seeming more difficult and time-consuming, is always best for us. Our theme verse this year was Jeremiah 29:11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Through our skits, through wonderful Bible lessons with Anne McNeil, through various other activities throughout each day, the children were reminded every day that God loves them and that his plans for them are perfect. Throughout the week, we and the many, many other volunteers, individual counselors, roving counselors, activities leaders, dining hall hoppers, and so many others, had the beautiful and humbling opportunity to share God's love, to be his hands and feet, to 52 children desperately in need of his hope and his love. We sang songs about his presence and strength, likening him to a lighthouse, singing that we are never alone. Just give me Jesus and I'll be all right. The children learn motions to each of the songs, which will help them to remember the important and encouraging words in moments throughout the year when they need them most. I met one of our precious young men while swimming in the pool, one of his absolute favorite activities. He immediately declared to me the goals he had set for himself for how long he could stay underwater, and we tested him. His ultimate plan is to be in the Guinness Book of World Records for holding his breath, and so he asked me to look up the current record so that he would know what he had to beat. He was only momentarily taken aback by the current record of 22 minutes and 22 seconds. This particular young man also had his actual birthday on Thursday of last week, the very day when we have an everyone's birthday party. We sang a special happy birthday just for him in our chapel service that morning. When asked how he felt about celebrating his birthday at camp, he said that he missed celebrating with his family. But then he paused and thought for a moment and said, But I am with my family my Royal Family Kids Camp family, the family of God. One of our young ladies told one of our counselors on Thursday evening that she wished she could wake up the next morning and it would be Monday again so that she could start the week over. She wished she could do that all summer. Another girl talked about a few of our male counselors and declared that they were the first men in her life to make her feel special, valued, worthwhile, and beautiful. Another camper was hearing all about the birthday celebration and a staff member told him that Judy Maley is the amazing go-to baker in town. The camper announced, I'll have to get her number. I asked Jordan Mullen if he had any stories or quotes from his two campers, and he remarked that his rough-and-tumble boys didn't usually have anything endearing to say that would be appropriate for church. But then he commented on something that I observed myself. These tough young men, so full of bravado, were able to let go at camp and have moments of being vulnerable, of being the children that they are. On the last morning, as we started to say goodbye to our graduates, and as all of the children began the process of saying goodbye to camp for this year, they were among those, with tears on their faces and the biggest, strongest hugs for us. One of the last things we do at camp is to have a graduation ceremony for those who are 12 years old. For many years, we planted a tree, and now each year we dedicate a stone to be installed in the patio outside the swimming pool. This year's stone was named Unbroken by two of our counselors, two young women who were, in fact, RFKC campers themselves as children. They reminded the children, they reminded all of us, that through God's love and power, we are not broken. We are redeemed, remade, restored. We are unbroken. We trust that God is doing a good work in the hearts and lives of these young children. We know that this camp plants seeds in their lives, in their hearts, seeds that we leave in God's hands to grow. 
On behalf of RFKC 2018, thank you for your love and support. As many of you know, we are sending 23 members of our church body on a missions trip to Puerto Rico on Saturday morning. So I would like to invite anyone who is going on the trip and those that are supporting them and loved ones to come up so we can pray for them and commission them this morning. As we pray for them, that would be great. Okay, let's pray together. Father, we ask your blessing upon all those that stand before you now as they get ready to minister in Puerto Rico. We pray for safety as they travel, safety as they work, doing construction and various things at Puerto Rico Academy. Father, please use them as your hands and feet. And Lord, those that you have already chosen to meet them and to work with them. We pray your blessing upon them as well, all who have contact with them. Father, please keep them safe as they work on projects. Help them as they meet with those whose lives have been so devastated by last year's hurricane. We pray you give them wisdom, patience, knowledge. Help them to know what needs to be done. Give them the skills to do it well. Father, bless them with a special sensitivity. Bless their efforts as they communicate with people who don't speak the same language. Pray, Father, that you help them show your love through all that they do. And Father, remind us to pray daily for them. And I pray that you would multiply the work that is done and the love that is shown so a real difference is made by this team. We put them in your hands and we pray your blessing upon every aspect of their trip. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Please stand and join us as we continue in worship together.
This morning's Old Testament reading is found in Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on the Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand as we sing the doxology and the ushers come forward. Dear God, let us give to you as you have so generously given to us and bless the gifts that we give you for the furthering of your kingdom. Amen. Your kingdom. 
Our New Testament reading is from Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking the bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at how many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. During the next song, children are dismissed for Children's Church. Before we sing together, let's pray. And if you would like to join me at the altar, you're more than welcome to come down. Father, we come to you this morning seeking for your will to be done in our lives, especially, Lord, as we think about the ministry that's happening, coming from this church and moving out throughout the world into Puerto Rico and and throughout the county and through all that was done this week at Royal Family Kids Camp. And, Lord, in the World Cup, as we think about the championship game being played later, This morning, we ask that the believers that are there to proclaim your name would do so with boldness and that hearts would be open. Lord, we pray for families from our church that are out traveling. Pray for those who are visiting here with us this morning. We pray for those that are having family reunions and those that are preparing for different activities throughout the summer. We pray for um, Wes and Cindy and and Paul and Debbie and others who are out on vacation right now. Lord, we pray for upcoming events here in Houghton, like the volleyball camp and tennis camp, equestrian camp, for the refresh camp that's coming in a few weeks. Father, we also lift to you those who are grieving. We pray your presence and peace would be with them. We think of those that need a special touch of healing, And Lord, as we take a second to just remember those in our own lives that need you in one way or another, we lift them up to you at this time. We also pray for Sylvia Greenway, for Phil Maine, for Dan Gurley. Lawrence Tuber, Rosalind Danner, Isabella Doherty, Tim Nichols, Gus and Louise Prinzel, Nancy Cole, Peter Lingenfelter, Doris Asepian, Isla Shea, Sheldon Emerson, Bill Getty, Mike Raybuck, Bevret, Emily Cricklar. Father, as we were watching with awe, the rescue of the boys that were stuck in the cave in Thailand. We give you praise for the lives that are saved. And we pray that you would use this event to show yourself your power to those who are affected. We pray for refugees that need you, for families. We pray for those who are caught up in war. We pray for protection on places where weather is really a factor where hurricanes hit, especially in the Caribbean, and others who are dealing with tragedy and disasters in their lives. We thank you, Lord, for the many, many, many answers to the prayers that we have prayed together as a church family. And Father, we think of Pastor Ken from Canadia Hills Church in Portageville this morning, Pray your blessing upon the church that meets there. We pray for our own Pastor John as he brings us the message this morning. And we ask your blessing upon him and upon our hearts as we receive your word. 
And now as the church community all over the world prays, let us join in the Lord's Prayer together. Our Father. Please stand and join us as we sing. I was informed when I when I came in this morning that I need to be done by 10:55. There's some soccer game going on at 11. I heard, and uh, I always knew soccer was a heathen game. 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Come on, not a good Christian game like basketball. So, but uh, if you were here earlier in the summer, you know that Pastor Paul kicked off our three-part series on discipleship. And uh, he defined discipleship in this way. He said, discipleship is taking the life and teachings of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit in us and in community with others, living like him or, or growing like him. And he went on to talk about the fact that we are all called to a life of following Jesus. Regardless of who you are or where you've been, the call to discipleship is for everyone. And in part two... Pastor Lori talked about the cost of discipleship. 
reminding us that there's really no such thing as halfway in the kingdom. The call to discipleship is total. If you're going to follow Jesus, it's all or nothing. She said, we must be willing to abandon all that we gained security from in our past and dedicate all that we have to living the life that Jesus calls us to. Things that distract us, things that hold us back, things that tempt us to take our eyes off Jesus need to be put behind us. And then we need to stop looking back at them. That was a mic drop moment. This morning, our topic is community. And I want to preface my comments with this. Nothing said today is meant to devalue the critical nature of your personal commitment to God, your personal spiritual habits or solitude, and nor is anything in this reflection meant to minimize the gifts of those of you who are introverts. Where are my introverts out there? Okay. Maybe not so introverted. But those things, your personal commitment and your devotional habits and the gifts that are given to us are meant for a purpose that goes beyond ourselves. The Bible takes for granted the understanding of God's people as community. The big picture story of the scriptures, that is God's plan for the salvation of the world, is undertaken only through his people corporately. And it's God's presence that we see working throughout the Old Testament as he molds the ancient Israelites into the people of God, who are then uniquely positioned to receive the Messiah. And throughout the New Testament, we see God through the Holy Spirit molding the church into his people, a community that will be the salt and light of the world. In Don Little's book on discipling, he says, According to Paul and Luke, discipleship is a corporate life in which everyone lives together in complete dependence on the Spirit. Such disciples trust profoundly in the love of their Heavenly Father revealed to them in Christ, and they in turn live lives of sacrificial love and service to their fellow believers and in their communities, all of this empowered by the Holy Spirit. Look around, you guys. We are in this together. I I had been in full-time ministry with Youth for Christ for 12 years before I came to work at this church and consequently became a pastor. And there were many things that surprised me about pastoral ministry. Uh, But one of those pleasant surprises was what a privilege it is to serve communion. And especially by the mode of intention, which is what we do here uh, usually. How many of you have done that? How many of you have been a communion server? Raise your hand. Yeah, a lot of you, right? It's a powerful experience. I found it to be very powerful to stand at the front as people come to the communion table To serve the elements, right? This is the body of Christ broken for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for your sin. And people come in all different states. Some come with tears, maybe maybe overcome with gratitude and or wrestling with some struggle, and some with joy on their faces, and some approach timidly and and accidentally get a tiny little piece of bread that you can't get into the cup, you know, without dipping your fingers in. And every once in a while, a child will come and and reach into the center of that bread and haul out the biggest chunk he can get around his little fist and and dunk it, you know, with a skaboosh into the cup. And uh, that's the sound it makes, skaboosh. And kind of gleefully shove it into his mouth. And and it's a beautiful picture. And and I, I love knowing some of your stories and having prayed with you and for you at different times and for different reasons. And it, and it feels like family. And as followers of Jesus, and as part of a community of faith that extends back into history and across the world, we come back to this table month after month and year after year, and we celebrate this story again and again because this is the central story of our faith. Jesus' death on the cross, his broken body and his shed blood his resurrection from the dead for us and for our sin, that is the story, the only story. Late last month, Luke and I traveled on a short-term mission trip to Spain for two weeks to work at a sports camp there, and we were teamed up with Christians from around the world, people from strange and wonderful foreign cultures like Chicago, for example. (laughs) 
And of course, lots of Spanish people. But, but guess what? They were also telling the story. And as we celebrated communion together, we were reminded that the kingdom of God is a community that is not dependent on other types of human commitments, on family relationships or political affiliations or national or geographic boundaries. We are bound to each other by the blood of Christ. And on that day of Pentecost, just two short millennia ago, when the church still numbered only 120 people, Peter stood up and he told the story. And when he did that, he spoke to the gathered crowd from the scriptures and he told them how the events of the day were fulfilling prophecies that had been spoken by the prophet Joel and how Jesus fulfilled a prophecy written by King David. And verse 41 in our text today says, Those who believed the word, those who heard the story and believed, were saved. They became part of the kingdom of God and they were added to the church. The story, the story of Jesus, is the glue in the community of faith. And in verse 42, then, it says that these new believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What does that look like in the context of community? Well, first, and, and maybe somewhat obviously, the teaching comes from the scriptures. The last part of Matthew, chapter 28, is known as the Great Commission. In that passage, Jesus says to his disciples, go and make disciples and teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And when you look through Acts, just like what Peter did on the day of Pentecost, you see the apostles teaching from the scriptures, from the Old Testament, of course, which was, which was their Bible. And we have the whole of scripture to draw from. We kind of say, look, here's how Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament scriptures. Here's how he lived and acted and spoke. And when that teaching is spoken in a community of faith, something really beautiful happens. Last week, Jamie Mullen, uh, in his thank you statement for John and Barb Van Wicklin, described a royal family kids camp scene, and he said this, We watched 52 broken and neglected and abused children racing around on Carnival Thursday, gleefully launching water balloons at each other and munching on ice slushies. And as we witnessed an army of the church of all races and classes and ages and creeds and personalities join together for one glorious moment around a holy and pure cause, Doug said to me, I think this is how heaven will be. That image struck me. And while I think that it very well could be a good snapshot of what heaven is like, I think it also is a great illustration for the kind of teaching and learning that happens in a true community of faith. What you have there is a group of broken people hearing in sort of an academic understanding, right? Maybe from the front in a classroom or in, a, uh, in this kind of setting. They hear, God loves you. But they are also living, they're hearing these words while living in a group of people who are demonstrating love to them and who are demonstrating loving relationships. Or another example, right? We hear this principle. Jesus said we should serve each other in the same way that he served the church. And we hear that while being served in deep and meaningful ways or while serving alongside a brother or sister in Christ. And so Royal Family Kids Camp campers and others of us who recognize our own brokenness gather together regularly in this context of the crucified Christ community to tell the story and to hear from the scriptures and to be an example relationally of the things that we're learning and hearing. And when we do that, we, of course, learn what Jesus told us to do. And in relationship, we learn how to do it. We get to practice those things. And in that relational context, I experience and I more deeply understand God's love for me and my need for his grace. And I begin to understand more deeply that I'm a critical part of this community. That I have an important role to fill in this new family of mine. A royal family, if you will. So it's in relationship that we live out Christ's teachings. Next, the passage says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. When I think about fellowship, I think of our Easter breakfast. I love the Easter breakfast when we're all together we're there in the context of celebrating the story. We have this big meal that the whole church has kind of contributed to. 
And you have to be careful where you step because there's so many sticky-fingered little kids running around. You might squish one if you're not careful. And it's really good. And it's fellowship. And it is good. But there's also something, I think, a little deeper meant here. In John 13, Jesus is eating the Last Supper with his disciples. And he has just washed their feet. And Judas has just left to betray him. And he then turns to the remaining disciples and tells them that he's leaving. He's going away. And they're not going to be able to go with him. And then he says this. So now, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Just over a year ago now, in fact, it was 13 months to the day, as many of you know, uh, Nancy, my wife, was diagnosed with cancer. And it was, as you can imagine, quite a shock to us. We had some difficult days emotionally. And I personally struggled spiritually. And, and maybe struggle is not exactly the right term. It was a, it was a weird time for me spiritually. I wasn't, I wasn't angry with God and I didn't have those sorts of why me questions that a lot of people uh, naturally get in those situations. But somehow my normal routines just felt dry, you know. No matter where I read in the scriptures, it felt like I was reading Leviticus. And, and uh, no, nothing against Leviticus. For all of you Old Testament scholars out there, I know Leviticus is important. No matter how boring. So. Uh, but at the same time, in the middle of that, uh, you guys kept showing up at our house. And sometimes you were just there to talk or, or not talk. And often you brought really delicious food with you and groceries and sometimes flowers and financial help. And you cleaned our bathrooms and you took our kids' places and you gave Nancy rides to treatment and you prayed for us. And you continue to do that. <clears throat> and you brought hand-drawn encouraging scriptures and, you know, essential oils, things like that. Uh, we were overwhelmed. We were, we were blown away by that. And I, I don't have the words to say a big enough thank you, so thank you. Near the end of August or early September, I ran into a retired pastor friend of mine who was here on campus. And uh, he, of course, asked how things were going. And we were still very much in the thick of things, uh, not having had a ton of time to process and uh, kind of taking, still taking things one day at a time. And so I told my friend where Nancy was in treatment, and I described to him how you guys have been caring for us. And as I ran out of steam and standing in the middle of the Houghton College gym with a, with a sporting event going on, my friend looked at me and he said, John, this is Jesus loving you through his church. I was stunned. I mean, I, uh, I knew that intellectually, right? I mean, I guess I would have known that. But in that moment, I felt it. It was a moment of clarity for me. And despite my perceived spiritual drought, Christ was powerfully near to us through you. Jesus said, love one another. The Living Bible says it this way. It says, your strong love for each other will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And in powerful and very specific ways, God used you to answer prayers that we didn't know how to pray and to meet needs sometimes before we knew what we needed. And I think this is the picture of fellowship that the early church in Acts demonstrates. Both the Easter breakfast kinds of experiences and then these types of deep connections where we are walking through life together in such a way that we... You know, we reject our culture's demand for rugged individualism and, and segregation and, and the resulting isolation that occurs from that. And instead, we live so closely connected to each other that we are fully known. We're aware of each other's needs, and not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually. And we can act or be there to address them. We keep the story central to who we are and we share that love with those around us. A community of discipleship is a community that is characterized by love. 
A community of discipleship is also a community of prayer. The early church spent time together in prayer, praising God, praying for boldness to be able to preach the word. And they also prayed for God's miraculous power to heal people. In corporate prayer, we express our dependence on God for everything that we need to be the people he has called us to be. And we invite the Holy Spirit to do his critically necessary work in us. In prayer, we express our faith, our love for God, and we celebrate his work among us. When we pray together, we submit our own will in humility to the will of the body. And we learn to put each other's needs first. When we agree in prayer, we strengthen each other's faith. And and I think at times, as we hold each other up, we are even able to have faith for those among us who are hurting. Praying with and for each other is a great blessing and a privilege. And our family has been blessed by God through your prayers for us over this past year. Let Let me close with a practical challenge or two. Hopefully it's practical. Uh, First, if you're not part of a small group, let me encourage you to do that. There are any number of Bible studies or small groups that happen regularly in our church. And these settings are fantastic ways to know and be known. And to be personally prayed and cared for. And to experience deep community. If you're interested in that, just let us know and we'll get you connected. Secondly, as a body of believers... Let's embrace the opportunities that exist here in our community because of the presence of the college and the academy. Henry Nowen had this observation about college students. He writes, While teaching university students who came from many different states and countries, I was struck by how lonely they were. For many years, they live in small rooms surrounded by strangers far away from their families and friends. There's little privacy and even less community in their lives. Mostly, They have no contact with children or elderly people. Seldom do they belong to a welcoming neighborhood or a supportive faith community, and only a very few know families where they can drop in anytime and feel at home. I've come to consider this situation in which thousands of young adults live as normal, but when I examine it a little closer, it's not hard to understand why so many feel rootless and even lost. Now, Uh, Maybe not all of the students at the College and the Academy are feeling rootless and lost. And I know that many of us reach out in, in awesome ways to these students. But we have this opportunity to be first a close knit community of faith and then to invite these folks to grow with us. Let's take advantage of that. Finally, as the youth pastor, let me tell you how critical this type of community is to the spiritual health of our children and youth. We are all enriched when our young people are brought into every facet of our lives together. And when they begin to understand themselves, not as people who will at some future date be able to contribute, but instead see themselves as a critical part of who we are right now as a body. I'm so grateful for the many ways that we are currently embracing young people and children. And I encourage you to get to know a young person that you don't already know. Look around. They're here. They're everywhere. There's one right there. Uh, Stop one today and introduce yourself. Will you pray with me? Father, I pray that you would help us to be devoted to you and to each other. Lord, make us a community that loves to celebrate the story. A community characterized by love and by prayer. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Will you receive the benediction? May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen.